A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sans Pants Radio, call the cops! When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, a few of us here at Sans Pants Radio are coming to the UK in October and we're calling that the In-Ear Presents Plumbing the Death Star Tour with Adam. We haven't announced all our shows just yet, partly because we're still waiting for venue confirmations, but if you head on over to sanspantsradio.com slash live, you can purchase your tickets for the ones that are. The Bristol show has already sold out, but add your name to the waiting list as we might do a second night. Our Manchester show is already above 50% sold, and we'll be announcing other shows in other locations as soon as we can. London and Belfast should be announced shortly, so follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the most up-to-date information. Or join sanspantsplus.com, and not only will you be the very first to get said information, but you'll be able to get 10% off ticket prices and more bonus content than you'll know what to do do with welcome to another episode of movie maintenance where some films just need fixing i'm gabe i'm sean i'm handsome tom and today we're looking at alien 3 no it's actually pronounced cubed shut the fuck up <laughs> the three... it actually doesn't make any sense like it it's not like being cubed has anything whatsoever to do with the film or anything like that it's just imagine if imagine yeah, if the cube they just really changed odd. the shape 
of the aliens and made them, made them cubes. How many beers have you had coming into this episode, mate? I'm, I'm halfway through one. All right. <laughs> just just so the open. one. No, it is annoying. I look at that title and it just annoys me it's immediately. Dumb. Yeah. Do you know I read the novelization of the film before watching the film? Really? Yeah. How'd that go for you? I remember reading it because I'd, I'd seen the other two and I just hadn't got around to seeing the movie and I was in a secondhand bookshop in Horsham. How old were you? Oh, I was probably like 13 maybe. All right. You know, people talk about like how you reckon you saw Jaws at a young age and some people are like, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, at a young age I saw Jaws before I should. That was Aliens for me yeah. and Alien. I, I saw those movies way before I should. Nah, see, I saw them late because my mum was like, nah, I'm not having a bar of this shit. And so I, yeah. My, my dad fucked up, I think. Yeah. <laughs> how, how old were you when I you watched Jaws? Them, oh, Jaws, I was like 10 or 11. Did it fuck you up for the beach? No, not really. I was never a beach person anyway. All right. See, so, yeah. I was 10 or 11 for Alien and Aliens. Oh, yeah. that's, yeah. That's, so I reckon I watched, I reckon they're I watched a lot scarier Alien. than Jaws is. They are a lot scarier. I don't trust space, so good thing I'm not an astronaut. <laughs> I didn't watch Alien until I was probably like 18. I think. I saw okay. it even later. I actually never really saw them. Like, I somehow missed them all through my film-obsessed teenagedom. But it wasn't until Prometheus came out and, like, there was all the hype around it. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's, friends, that surprises me. It's Yeah, no, I somehow missed it completely. And then I had this mate who I worked with who was really, really obsessed with the alien film. Like, they were his all-time favorite thing. And so he, like, had – I think we had, like, four separate nights over the course of a couple of weeks where we just had, like, a really big night of it, like, have a few drinks and watch an alien film. And, like, the first two really, really blew me away. Yep. I was always, for a long time, like, insistent that the first one was the best. I was the until, same. Until – and I think we had the exact same experience. We actually went to the same – Session, I think we just yeah. didn't know that we we're at the same double oh, no, feature we're both there at the Astor. Hang on, hang on. Were you there as well? No, I wasn't there, but I, I think I'm going to disagree with you. I don't know because I, yeah, so, I so always, always thought, thought one was the best. Oh no, no, no! I agree with you there. Oh, yeah, and then I watched them both as a double feature, and I was like, no, no, two, two. Yeah, I, 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 I used to think two was the best, and mm. then I went back to one because I was like, no, one's the original. Rewatched and went, no, nah, it's definitely one. Rewatched two recently, and I'm watching it, and I'm like. This is better than one. Two's they're, a really, really good They're film. drastically different, though. They're, 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 oh, absolutely. They're both very yeah. good in their own right. But if you had to rank them, Aliens, Alien. Yep. Oh, I want to put Resurrection third. <laughs> <laughs> Everything beats Prometheus. Oh, yeah. Agree. Even, mm-hmm. even the bullshit of three beats Prometheus. I have a feeling that... Um, Prometheus will be better than Covenant. No, the I reckon Covenant, Covenant will, aren't great. Yeah. Like, I reckon Covenant will be better. The thing about Danny McBride in an alien film. Uh, the thing about Covenant is that like all the reviews seem to be sort of saying they're like, oh, it's a step up from Prometheus. Don't forget that the initial reviews for Prometheus were really positive. Really? Like, oh, not really, but like most of them were like, oh, it's good, but it's got problems, but it's definitely worth seeing. And it's only kind of in the years since that people have kind of come around to be like, no, nah, Prometheus is a piece of shit. I remember Whereas, thinking it was like, a piece of shit when I watched it. I was just like, no. Nah. Yeah, I was just not free, great. so I'm happy. I, I got a free, you know, Hoyts, you sign up and you get like a, one free movie. Yeah. I used to see Prometheus because I was at uni and we had to see a new release movie every week. That was kind of this yeah, thing that yeah. our teacher said. So I saw Prometheus that week and I was like, God, I didn't pay money for this. Guy <laughs> <laughs> Pierce. Get a what are you, Michael Fass? What are you guys doing? You're also, good actors. Fassbender's good in that. An old though. person, maybe for Guy Pierce. Yeah, absolutely. for an old character. I don't know. Do they cut some stuff though? That I think allegedly. But, yeah, well, Fassbender was very the good. Trailer when it because the, the Prometheus trailer, the first Prometheus trailer was the the one of Guy Pierce as a young mm. Wayland doing. Yeah, it was a, like him doing like a TED talk or something. TED talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from memory. The pre-TED Talk, TED Talk. Shit but, film. I don't know. I, I found Prometheus, like coming into it, I found it really fascinating because like, I think definitely the first time I saw Alien, I was like totally caught up and captured with the whole mythology of it, with what was the space jockey, what was going on there, what was all of that. And then Prometheus, I was like, oh, it's going to answer everything. And you get into it, it's like, oh, it's, it's going to answer everything. You, do, you don't want that. No, you no, don't it's want actually, the mysteries ruined. 
Um, yeah, it hurts. And the answers just aren't that good. And it's just like, okay, the engineers are nowhere near as iconic as, you know, the space jockey was, but whatever. Two, I originally didn't think was as good as one, but on rewatch, definitely superior. Two, like two one, is fantastic. One, you just don't really care about any of the characters apart from Ripley. They're essentially fodder. They're not really likable. I, I even find Ripley but, hard to sort of access, yeah. to be honest. Now, see, one's, see, one's good because it changes the sci-fi genre. Like, one, when you, when you think oh, about yeah. when it in, came in out. context, like, absolutely. The reason we have... Life and Moon is big, and I haven't seen Life, but I have seen Moon. And the reason we have those kind of films is because of Alien. Mm. Yeah. The reason we have those low budget sci fi, and Alien is not low budget. When I say low budget, I mean, I think I mean low fi. Grittier, grimier. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Low fi sci fi Um, is because of Alien. But, But Aliens, all of the good moments that I remember about the Alien franchise actually occur in Aliens. Like, for me, the defining most terrifying moment in an alien film is that bit in aliens where they have the motion detector and it's bipping because they're getting closer oh, and then it's like yeah. it's in the room it's in the room where is it and then they just do that thing where they, put, they just peer into the roof and it's just there oh, oh fuck it's so good so good or the bit the bit when I remember watching the double bill the Astor like when is, is it newts in the water and the tail yes. comes up behind her yeah fuck it's it's such a good film and like it's it's very very close to a perfect movie yeah, I agree. It's it's pretty. Like, it's it's probably it James Cameron's best film besides Avatar yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, it is his best film. I think. Oh, Terminator Two. I mean, nah, the man does sequels. Uh, yeah, Aliens over Terminator Two. I think he's good at sequels. He, he really very is. Good so at Avatar sequels. Two is going to be. It's amazing. the only thing Avatar Two has going for it. Is that James Cameron? Is that James Cameron is an amazing sequel director? See, Three is interesting because, like, I think it does some things well. I think. The conclusion of three, I think, is a good and it's a fitting conclusion to the series. Yep. But for the most part, it's kind of boring. And I think for me, the issue with three is the fact that when you come into it, um, you kill Hicks. You kill obviously that's a that's a big thing, like killing Newt. Hicks and Newt. Was it? Did I read somewhere that like Michael Bien or Bean or however you pronounce his name, um, when he found out about that, they wanted to use his likeness in the or they used his likeness in the film without consulting him mm. and because he, he was so pissed off that they'd killed Hicks he sued them for millions of dollars or some ridiculous wow. number Did he just win? to spite them I, huh. I think he won well, too yeah. for killing off Hicks well we all know the other story too of the Alien 3 film which is that the, the original version of it was monks on a wooden planet yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. apparently when, it just went over budget the studio got nervous about it and they brought in David Fincher did they start shooting that I'm not sure they because started it's, shooting it's got a real it monk a vibe of, it's got a big monk vibe well because I think I think they they started that was the original script, and they started building the sets. And I think it was going to be over budget, and they were worried that people weren't going to see it. So they brought in and the, the the one positive of Alien Three is that it's the launch of David Fincher's career, and he's yeah. given us some fucking amazing films. Yep. But yeah, it was originally going to be on a wooden planet. Yeah, yeah, with all with monks. Monks. Um, there's a there was a whole Empire did this huge article about it about like ten years ago or something. Like this really really big feature talking through like what it would have been. It had like a really troubled production process, and I think it shows because it's a bit of a you know, a uh, patchwork of a film. It, it's a bit like it's a bit like you look at something like Ant Man, where it is very clear that there was another director with yes. a different vision. And there was another vision, and this kind of got someone else coming into Can I ask? Because I'm not that familiar with the background of the film. Did Fincher get removed from it at some point, or was he the one who came in and kind of he, like, came, he in. came in? He came in. He got brought in, but yeah. didn't he get pulled out during the post production? Yeah, yes. he tried to Alan Smithy it because he was like, "This is not my film." Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, it's so I watched it last night. And I haven't seen it in years. I barely remembered it. And the thing that just strikes me, I watch it and I go, this isn't a shit film. It's just a really boring film That's that, I have, that I have no investment and in. And also no suspense. Yeah. The thing about <laughs> one and two is that if you look at like the Escalation one and two, I can see how impossible three would have been to make. 
And honestly, like putting this pitch together, I struggled with the same thing because one is like the contained horror movie in space. Two is like, let's up the stakes, make it more of an action film, bring in like more guns, more aliens, all of that. Three, it's like, where do you go? Mm. Like, it's pretty much a repeat of one. It's like, okay, the narrow corridors and the dark corners and all of that and one alien. It does some good things with Ripley's character with where it takes her character. But outside of that, it's slow. It's boring. It's kind of just a sad film full of characters who just aren't really all that likable. Yeah, no, it doesn't have a likable character. That's the thing. Aliens has, you know, Bill Paxton and has those guys. And you've got new Hicks. The Marines, Hicks. You've got Hicks and 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 Hicks. relationship, which I kind of foregrounded in what I wanted to do here. Yeah. Because I just think killing them off was- such Stupid. a travesty because the whole second film was about her regaining a family, family unit yeah. after yeah. she loses her daughter and about that family unit coming together. And that's where we end. And then three just gives the biggest fuck you to it by killing them off. And I think James Cameron himself was furious that three did that because well, they were his characters. Yeah. I, I, I find it Ripley in the first film, you relate to her, but there is an element of distance to her. Yep. But I think in two, you understand everything about her. She's missed out on her life, her family, everything because of this company and because of these yeah. aliens. And they wanted to go back. And that, that's there's just something just you empathize with her immediately. You empathize with those Marines because, again, they do not know what they're going in for. Yep. She does. And it's not even about the aliens being the bad guys in two. It's a, it's about the corporation being the bad guys in yep. two. And yeah. there's just there's just nice moments of humanity in it. Whereas in three, you're like, now nah, we're on a prison and everyone's an asshole. I hope yeah, they all, all die. They're all rapists. It's they're like, all rapists. Yeah. All right, who cares? <laughs> they're See, all rapists. With so so with what I want to do with this, I kind of wanted to, I guess, pick up from where two left off and. I mean, to me, there's like two main antagonists in the alien films. There's the Weyland-Yutani Corporation and, of course, the aliens themselves. And one thing that I always found really fascinating about the alien mythology, and this is one thing I sort of like about Prometheus, and I think the Prometheus botched it, but I do actually include a bit of that mythology in my pitch, is the idea that, that uh, the engineers created humans and they also created the alien. And the idea that these films are depicting a war between these two creations of these gods that were wiped out by their own creations, to me, I find really compelling and really fascinating. And I kind of wanted to lean in more to like what links humans and aliens and sort of lead into, I guess, the polarity of the Weyland-Yutani Corporation and the aliens as these two big demons that have ripped Ripley's life apart. Because to me, that thematically and plot-wise is the right place to go with a third film. But I don't, I think the third film by like, putting on a different planet and essentially sort of removing the Whalen yutani context and things yeah, like that yeah. until that weird bit at the end where Bishop, who's not Bishop, comes in. It just, yeah, I don't know. No, nah, because we need that so that we can resurrect her for Alien 4 with Winona Ryder as a robot. Mm. <sighs> anyway, shall I launch in? You can. All right. This is what I've done with Alien 3. So we open on the dead of space. It takes a little, because, you know, it's space, stars everywhere, very dark. It takes a little while to realize that we're moving. Very slowly, we're closing in on something. We're getting closer and closer to a shape that gets bigger the more we move. And as we pull in, very slowly, very deliberately, the title letters slowly appear, like the first film, Alien 3. And we pull through the letters until we realize we're looking at the Sulaco, still floating in space after the end of Aliens. And we keep pulling in until we move through a little window and move through the corridors of the ship. Keep pulling in until we arrive at the chamber where the cryopods are. We pull in on the glass and on Ripley's face. She looks peaceful. She's sleeping. We hold on her face and then her eyes flicker open. She kind of glances around confused. She shouldn't be awake. She doesn't really know where she is. From her perspective, we see through the glass. We see the room that she's in, same as she left it. Something scuttles past on the wall. Even in her confused state, Ripley seems to recognize it. 
She tries to sit up, tries to get out of wherever she's tied in. And the facehugger crawls across the glass in front of her and Ripley just screams, this silent scream. Now, there's not been a sound. And she's just screaming behind the glass, screaming and banging on the glass. And then suddenly she sits up. She's in a bed. Nice. She's sweating. She's breathing heavily. She looks around. She's wearing a hospital gown. The room she's in is this plain, sterile white room occupied only by a bed and this single cheap-looking painting on the wall. And apprehensive, she kind of gets up and looks around. She calls out. There's no response. She opens the door and she finds herself in this long, plain corridor. Occasionally, there are other doors along it. Everything is just eerily featureless, just sterile, white, like a hospital, nothing. And kind of weary, weary starts making her way through it. She turns down one corridor, then another. And then from either end of the corridor, soldiers approach. Featureless faces in helmets. And they bear down on her and Ripley just fights, fights tooth and nail like a wild animal trying to get away, but there are too many of them. And they drag her down the hall through this room into a bigger room. She's thrown to her knees and she looks up and whatever she expected, it wasn't this. It's in this large room. It's a stark contrast to the rest of the place. It's welcoming. There are couches. There are soft lights. There's a fountain in the middle, a carpeted floor around it. It looks expensive and opulent. And she looks up and she sees Newton Hicks running towards her. And she just like completely relaxes, pure relief on her face, throws her arms around them, and our three heroes embrace. But they're still surrounded by armed soldiers. Ripley kind of gets to her feet. She sort of instinctively stands in front of Newton Hicks, like, you know, protective mama bear. And then we hear a voice, a female voice. You can relax, no one's going to hurt you. And Ripley turns and she's looking at a woman about her age, smiling, wearing glasses and a lab coat, played by Linda Hamilton. Okay. Because I'm assuming this is made in the... Yeah, this is yeah. made in the... Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And welcome home, the woman says. I'm Dr. Mercer. Ripley frowns. Home? Dr. Mercer says, you're on Earth. You made it back. Ripley points to the soldiers. What the hell is this? Sorry, the woman says. Being asleep for as long as you have been, it, it can be dangerous. We just had to make sure you wouldn't do anything inadvisable. And the doctor keeps smiling, but Ripley's brow furrows. She doesn't believe that for a second. How long have we been out? Ripley asks. You're in space for almost 20 years, she says. You're almost 100 now. Looking great for your age, Ellen. <laughs> Ripley shakes her head. She doesn't care about this. Oh, okay, she says, fine. If we're on Earth, I want to go home. I'm sorry, the doctor says. We can't let that happen yet. You're on a contaminated planet for a long time. Besides, anything could have gotten aboard your ship. We have to keep the three of you in quarantine for a little while yet. But I promise we'll do our best to make it as comfortable as possible for you guys. Ripley wants to argue this, but she's still confused. She's disoriented, and really, she's just happy to be alive and back home in one piece. So the doctor says she'll give them some time, and she and the guards leave. And so we get a really nice scene of this little pseudo-family reuniting in this room. Ripley's still a bit shaken from that dream she had and somewhat disoriented, but she's too happy to have made it home to dwell on it. So they talk, and they stay there for a long time, just talking and discussing what they've been through. And eventually, Newt falls asleep, and Ripley and Hicks kind of reflect on where they've been and where they've ended up. I mean, it's over, so what are they going to do now? Hicks kind of thinks for a moment, then he starts talking about how he always thought he understood war, he understood evil. But going up against the xenomorphs, this thing that had no reason to exist other than to destroy, it just makes him feel obsolete and lost. It's this new kind of war that he just doesn't understand. Ripley just says, you don't have to, not anymore. We're done. We've all done what we had to do. We just have to finish our time here and go. And do what? Hicks says. We're soldiers without a war. They just kind of sit in silence for a long time. The next day, Ripley's brought in to talk to Dr. Mercer. So Mercer kind of starts explaining herself and says that she works for Wayland yutani This puts Ripley immediately on edge, but Mercer just laughs it off. 
She says it's hard for a company to say the same for 20 years. You know, a lot has changed here on Earth. At the moment, we're more concerned with environmentalism than militarism. That's what I said last time. Uh, I'm not buying it, Sean. (laughs) She says, you know, I'm a scientist. I'm an environmentalist first and foremost, and that's what we're working towards with the company's money. But anyway, more to the point, how are you doing? Are you feeling okay after everything you've been through? And Ripley kind of thinks, and she doesn't want to say it, but it's weighing on her and she can't seem to avoid it. And so she voices this thing that's worrying her and she says, look, at some point during the trip, I thought I woke up and I thought I saw a face hugger on the glass. If one got aboard the ship, and Merce kind of laughs it off. She's like, what, the one time you woke up in 20 years, you happened to see that? Not likely. Besides, the crew scanned the whole ship upon arrival on Earth. It was just a dream. Now, Merce leans forward. You have been through a lot she says, and it's quite incredible. Now, before I ask, you can say no, but I want to ask something of you. And before you jump down my throat, you need to hear me out. Back on LV426, no, Ripley says. Gets to her feet, walks out. Ripley doesn't tell Hicks about this. Instead, they just focus their time on relaxing. In between various tests and injections, they seem to keep getting to test what's wrong with them. They watch movies, they read stories to Newt, and basically, despite the strangeness of their circumstances, they slowly seem to become a family. But every night, Ripley still has that same dream. The face hugger crawling across the glass. And while she feels fine, she can't help but let her eyes move to Newt or Hicks when they're all together. She can't help but wonder. And on top of that, she's getting frustrated. Why can't they leave? The doctors all keep making noises about tests and quarantine and stuff, but to Ripley, if this is 20 years in the future, and last time she came to Earth, she could be checked out in a few days and be deemed fine, what exactly are they looking for? She starts demanding to talk to Mercer, but the woman's always too busy to see her. One night, Ripley's lying in a narrow bed, unable to sleep. She's starting to feel more and more trapped, and those dreams aren't going anywhere. She stares at the roof, and then she's sick of that. Her eyes move to the painting. She kind of frowns looking at it. I mean, it seems really strange and out of place. What's this painting doing in this room? Gets out of bed, walks over, pulls it off the wall. It's reasonably well secured, but she gets it off and finds a camera. Tiny but obvious. Knew I fucking couldn't trust him, Sean. Fucking Mercer, mate. Oh, Mercer. Linda Hamilton. Big old crock of shit. You're lying. So Ripley replaces the picture. (laughs) Now worried. They've been watching her, and now they know she knows. But Ripley didn't survive countless monsters and an alien queen to put up with this shit. So she leaves her room. She wants answers. She walks through the nighttime halls, looking for anyone, a doctor, a guard, Mercer. Finally, a guard does find her. He's like, go back to your room. Directs her to go back. Ripley just says, oh, look, I'm, I'm feeling sick. The guard suggests I'll take you to the infirmary. Ripley gets him with a perfect right hook before grabbing <laughs> his gun from his holster. She pistol whips him, knocking him out, then takes his clearance card and starts to move. She heads away from the sleeping quarters into the part of the complex where they're taken for the tests. She checks room after room, and finally she comes on one that appears to be a lab. She walks inside, turns on the light, and all around the walls are x-rays. Close-up x-rays that appear to be of a human rib cage, and inside the rib cage... Uh, Gabe, Gabe. Ripley puts a hand over her mouth. She wants to be sick. The pounding of her heart fills her ears and she staggers after everything. I've done my best to slow it, Mercer says from behind her. All those injections. But eventually it will get out. 20 more years of technology, Ripley says through gritted teeth, and you can't even remove this thing. 
What do you think I've been trying to do, Mercer says. What do you think I'm studying? If we know how to stop this thing, it can't be a threat. It can't infect us if we're immunized against it. It breeds through infection. Take away the ability to breed and it dies out. But you haven't figured that out yet, Ripley says. Well, there's only so much I can do with an embryo inside someone, Mercer says. Short of removing it from the chest, which would kill the subject, it's hard to work it out. That's why I need to go back to LV426. I need more biological matter from the creature. You ever wondered how we developed anti-venom? By studying the snake's poison. Understanding in order to counteract. Fighting and killing these creatures is all well and good. But that's the thing about infections. They endure unless you have an antidote. Ripley just stares at her and then tersely snarls, which one of us is it? What good would knowing do, Mercer says. Tell me. Ripley snarls. Tell me. I'm not going to do that, Ellen. Ripley points her gun at Mercer's head. The doctor just stares at her. Sure, we're on the same page, aren't we? If you shoot me, there's no escape from here and no escape from that creature. Kill me and your family is as good as dead. There are tears in Ripley's eyes and she just says, you don't get it. There is no cure. This thing just keeps coming, keeps spreading. Even if we could get back to LV426 in time, all we would do is bring more back with us. It's a cancer and the only way to kill it is to cut it out. With that, she hits Mercer over the head with the gun and runs. She runs until she reaches Hicks's room, pounds on the door, wakes him up. He's confused and surprised, but Ripley tells him to come with her. They go straight to Newt's room. At the moment they're inside, Ripley shuts the door. Then she turns to them and she raises the gun. Gabe. She's crying now. Hicks is horrified. Newt clutches Hicks, pale and terrified. What the fuck are you doing? Hicks demands. One of us, Ripley manages. One of us is infected. This is the only way. Hicks is pleading with her, telling her this can't be right, telling her to stop. Ripley tries not to listen. She's been torn apart by this, but she can't let that thing out on earth, not after what she's seen. She apologizes again and again as she looks into Hicks's eyes and then into Newt's. Surrogate mother and daughter stare at each other for a long time. God damn it, Ripley says, and slams the gun into the wall again and again, screaming and crying and asking whoever is listening, demanding why is this happening to her? And the response is a siren. Hicks runs forward and takes Ripley's head in his hands. We have to leave, he says. I don't believe we're infected. I believe we would know by now, but we have to get out of here. Hicks, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, what a, um, what a dickhead marine. Fuck you, dick, Hicks. Ripley is not convinced, <laughs> but dick. she's shaken. She doesn't know what's going on. She's tired. She's worn down. The three of them run out in the corridor. Guards are coming, but Ripley's too far. She shoots them down. Her and Hicks grab more guns. Together, they move through the corridors. The siren keeps going louder and louder until they get into a wing of the complex they haven't seen before, away from guards. They duck through a door, and there's no one else here. It's just an empty, dark room. Hicks switches on the light. Ripley turns. The room is full of tanks. Huge, towering tanks filled with a viscous, greenish liquid. And bit, inside... Bit of science, Gabe. Bit of science, mate. Ah. And inside each tank is a xenomorph. Oh. Oh, fuck. The three of them move through the tank, staring in horrified awe. There are about 20 of the xenomorphs seemingly preserved. Why? Hicks says. Because that's what Waylon does, Ripley says wearily. He tries to tame what it can't control. And hey, it's only the rest of us who end up being casualties. But hang on, Hicks says. If they had these all along... 
Why do they need us? And out of the shadows emerge guns. Lots of guns held by lots of guards. And stepping to the forefront is Mercer. Motherfucker. Fucking Linda Hamilton. And Ripley looks at Mercer and says, because there never was an infection. Because all she wanted was a guide for LV-426. Hicks kind of is confused. He goes, why? They colonized it before. They know the planet. We do, Mercer says. But it's not the planet I want. It's one very specific part of the planet, one that contains answers to the questions this company has been asking for generations. A part of the planet only one living person has been to. Ripley looks at her and says, the crash ship, the one where we first found the eggs. Oh, Gabe, you, you fixed Prometheus as well. <laughs> and you're not even finished. Mercer smiles. The ultimate prize, she says. The creatures are just byproducts. What, you thought they were natural animals? Please. A force that exists only to destroy? That reeks of humanity. The pilot of that ship was part of the race that created them, and not just them. And yes, we sent expeditions out before looking for answers. Some came close, but they always eluded us. And somehow, despite all that time and work and effort, the only person who knows the inside of that ship, who survived, who knows what we will find in there, who can take us there, is you. Imagine it, Ripley. Imagine what else could be aboard the craft of a species with the ability to create life. For a moment, Ripley stares at her. And then she says quietly, the species that created humans and the aliens. That's not a species I want anything to do with. Yeah. Oh, you're past the point where you had a choice, Mercer says. You take us there or you all die. There's no escape for you. This facility is sealed tight. No way out without the highest clearance, mine. And after the stunt you pulled here today, you should count yourself as lucky that I'm giving you this chance. Ripley looks at Hicks. Then Newt. Then Mercer. Then finally at the eerie figure of the alien in the tank. Yeah, Ripley says. I count myself as pretty fucking lucky. <laughs> and she shoots the tank. Oh, I knew something fucked was going to happen. Glass shatters and thick green smoke from the fluid fills the air. Gunfire erupts. Ripley, Newton, Hicks hit the floor as bullets shatter more and more tanks. There's oh, yelling and confusion. And fucking then idiots. a very familiar hissing. Fucking hell. Run, Ripley yells, as the aliens set about attacking the soldiers as their screams fill the air and Newt, Hicks and Ripley escape the room. The chase is on. Aliens are everywhere, attacking left and right. Our heroes steal bigger guns from fallen soldiers. Together they run. Listen, Hicks says, I know places like this. In the central engineering room, there will be a self-destruct button in case of an epidemic getting out or or this, Newt says. Well, yeah, this, Hicks says. We head there, Ripley replies. We need clearance, Hicks says. Without Mercer's card... Oh, you mean this card? Newt says with a smile. Hey! <laughs> Holding up the card she swiped from Mercer in the chaos. Despite herself, Ripley smiles. Together they make their way deeper into the facility. Along the way, they're encountering soldiers and aliens. They fight their way through. And then at one point, right when they think they're all right, moving through the smoke, an alien bursts out of the smoke from behind. They attack it. It throws Hicks out of the way and comes for Ripley. It very nearly reaches her. And then it stops. Oh, you oh, motherfucker. You fucking. It turns and disappears into the smoke. Ripley kind of stares after it, but Hicks has no time for this. He pulls her to her feet and they keep going. Finally, they reach the intersection of the facility. Ripley's kind of watching the walls and she stops. And she turns to Newton Hicks. 
Listen, she says. From the control room, I can activate the exits. I'm going to open the door on the east wing, right near where we had our injections. That should let you out of the facility. After that, you can get away clean. Hicks stares at her. What are you talking about? We're coming with... Ripley slams Mercer's car into a panel on the wall, and a thick steel door slides down between them. Gabe, are you going to rip my heart out? Is my heart going to chest burst out of me? You have to wait and see. We hear clangs all around the facility as every entrance to the inner part is sealed off by this emergency mechanism. Hicks is screaming, slamming on the door, demanding Ripley open it. But she shakes her head, tears in her eyes. She mouths through the glass, go. And she keeps walking. And as she walks, she staggers slightly. She keeps going until she reaches the central control room. It's circular with the control desk in the middle, screens around the walls, multiple doors, but someone else is already here. They really are perfect engines, Mercer says. No reason, no mercy, they just devour. Fuck you, Mercer. You almost have to wonder why they were created in the first place. Peter Wayland had a theory before we lost him during the Prometheus incident. His theory was that our creators made them to remove us. See, we reached a point where we threatened them. Our intelligence, our imagination, our reason. We were made in God's image. But maybe God didn't like that once he realized exactly what it meant. So he created something that lacked all the things that elevated us. Something that could remove us once and for all. I don't give a shit where they came from, Ripley says. (laughs) I'm more concerned with where they're going. Oh, it's... Such a Ripley thing to say. (laughs) And where is that, Mercer says. Oblivion? You know by now I can't let you do that. No, Ripley, I'm going to open every door to this facility and I'm going to let them all out. And then the engineer's work will be finished. Then, finally, balance can be restored. Even if this bullshit about engineers was true, Ripley says, they had their time. What the hell is to be gained by taking us out of the picture? Mercer looks at her confused and says, we destroyed our planet. And now we're spreading through the galaxy, destroying more and more with every passing year, poisoning atmospheres and demolishing wildlife. You think the alien is the cancer? I'm sorry, but I can't abide that. Damn. The cancer is us. I wanted this to be painless. I wanted to see what else was on the engineer's ship that I could use. But you got in the way of that. And so now the death of the human race will be very, very painful indeed. Mercer's hand moves the button that will release the doors. Ripley looks at it, and then she just deflates. Fine, she says. She's done. Mercer hits the button. Fuck. We see for the first time the huge grey exterior of the facility. We see blast doors sliding open everywhere. We see the one on the inside where Ripley left Newton Hicks sliding open and all the other ones around. The facility is completely open. You're right, Mercer. Ripley says, about all of it, they are perfect. They're just like insects. They eat, they breed, they protect their own survival. You know what that means? Mercer looks at her, a bit confused. Ripley smiles and says, they protect their queen. And through every door comes a xenomorph. They ignore Ripley, moving around her towards Mercer. What the hell have you done? Mercer says. One thing we have in common, Ripley replies, they protect their species. The aliens all launch on Mercer at once. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) And as they do... Fuck you, Linda Hamilton. Ripley winces again. Beneath her shirt, we see something move. Oh, fuck. 
She staggers over to the desk, scans Mercer's card, brings the timer down to its lowest setting, then hits the button. She turns. All around her are xenomorphs, all staring at her, waiting as their queen prepares to emerge from Ellen Ripley. Fuck. And Ripley simply says, not this time, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Not my planet. And she closes her eyes as her chest bursts outwards and the factory explodes. From a distance, we see Hicks holding Newt's hand, turn and watch. Together, they stare at it, both with tears in their eyes. She saved us, Newt says. All of us. Hicks just nods. Will the monsters come back? Newt asks. Hicks looks at her. He wants so much to reassure her, but after everything this girl has been through, he can't lie to her. I don't know, he says. She looks at him, nods, and says, then we have to be ready. Hicks stares at her, then smiles through his tears. Takes her hand, and together they turn to face an uncertain future, but one that looks just a little bit brighter than yesterday. Yeah, mate. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, nah. yeah. boy. <clears throat> yeah. There were so many fucking, like, I don't even know how to describe Sean and I looking at one another moments in that film. Yeah. Where it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, a bit of heart, Sean. Oh, a bit of chest bursting. Oh, a bit of a twist. Oh, a bit of a heart chest bursting twist. I did think early on that Newt was carrying. That's what I thought. Yeah, we gave each other quite a few looks. In the, yeah, we I figured thought, that was where you guys were going. We thought you were going to be Gabe, the asshole we yeah. know and love. We and, thought it was going to be Ripley. Harry Potter darkness all no, over again. No, I didn't want to was going to have away. to shoot Newt. Yeah, no, I, I toyed with it, but I was like, nah, I don't. Like, killing Newt was so cruel in the third one. And, like, and the one thing I like about the third film, I like the fact that Ripley gives her closure. Yeah, she sacrificed yeah. herself to take out the aliens. To me, it's the perfect ending for that character. Yeah. So that's the one thing I want to Or is the to. perfect ending Alien Resurrection where they, they bring her back? <laughs> no. Okay. No, it's, it's not that at all. With, with her proto-alien baby that, that adores her? Uh, yeah. The proto-alien? Joss Whedon, what were you doing? <sighs> Get fucked. <laughs> Joss Whedon? Yeah, he wrote the script. What? Oh, well, the, he didn't make it. That's all right. Yeah, they, they changed it. Apparently, like, he sort of later said that, like, they really butchered his work. But, but yeah, that was Joss Whedon. What's with good people... Trying to make an alien film and it like getting fucked. I mean, I mean, You've the director of Alien, alien vs. Predator, he tried so hard to make a. Who is he? <laughs> <laughs> Can I say, we didn't even touch on Alien vs. Predator no, in our didn't. talk of the franchise. Well, you know, what that's a probably great for concept. The, best. the Predators, it, it like want to kill the greatest thing to be killed. Yeah. What is greater than a machine, an, a creature that is literally designed to kill people? I guess. I haven't seen I mean, them. like, yeah, I feel like. There wasn't enough Predator in your pitch. Is what yeah, I'm getting at. Oh, fair enough. Is um, the I'll twist there? Is, is the twist they're actually on the on the planet from Predators? Oh, Mercer was a predator. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> she, as she gets ripped apart, it's just a vagina face with hair. Yes, <laughs> basically yes. Um, that's that's what the that's the whole predator thing. It's <laughs> you know that right? <laughs> You've seen Predator, right, Carney? Oh, a long time ago. You haven't seen a predator film since. Not even the not no, very good Adrian the, Brody one. Did Rodriguez do yeah, one or is he, he doing the produced, new one? No, Shane produced, Black's doing the new yeah, one. Yeah, Shane Black's doing um, the new he one. Produced, he produced yeah. the one with Adrian Brody and Topher Grace. Yes. Spoiler alert, Topher Grace is shit in that film. <laughs> oh, surprising everyone. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm on board, Gabe. That was, yeah. you, fixed, you fixed the fundamental problem of you made it again about, again, we were talking earlier about what, what's where do you go from two with three and what makes it, 
it's obvious. Yeah. You take away the thing that Ripley, you make Ripley have to choose to give up the thing that she's finally got yeah. at the end of two. The, yeah. I the mean, greater good. That's the thing. You don't just take it from her while she's asleep. The, <laughs> the greatest shortcoming of the third film is that you don't care about any of the characters. And already, as we talked about, you've got Ripley, who's a little bit hard to sort of get behind sometimes. So your film's kind of perfect in the sense that you've still got Hicks and you've still yeah. got Newt. And so the film's got heart and it's got characters well, her, her that you sacrifice. care. You actually care if characters survive. Whereas yeah. in Alien Cubed, it's like oh, a bunch of prison rapists with shaved heads. No well, that's thanks. It. They're, they're, all, they're all rapists. Yeah. Isn't that it? Well, they're all murderers or rapists. So they're all murderers or they're like they're the worst of the worst. Worst. Yeah, her sacrifice yeah. is like, oh, didn't let all those murderers and rapists well, do I mean, on your ripo. In the film, she does say like, oh, we've got to stop it or it's going to kill millions of people. It's going to destroy the galaxy. And it's yeah, like, it's it's th- those are just like big words. It's like, I need like the face of Hicks, the face of Newt to yeah. kind of like lock into and be like, humanity. oh. Humanity. Yeah, humanity. Absolutely. I, I even, do you know what I also like though? Mm. Is that even in this film, like so So the, the, the difficulty with, even in the other films, as good as they are, you never understand why Wayland Yutani want the fucking aliens. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. Why would you want that? They're fucking evil as shit. Whereas in this, Mercer's logic is brilliant. Mm. There is a, there is a being out there that created us, and then went fuck, we fucked up, and made something else. Why? Maybe we're not supposed to. Maybe we're the Zen. Maybe well, we're the thing that needs to be eradicated. And that's kind of what I wanted to explore a bit because, like in Prometheus, the whole thing is that, like you know. Um, uh, Wayland wants to go to the planet so that he can, you know, find a way to get a, get out of dying. And I thought, well, how do you build on that? Like at the upper echelons of Wayland Utani, like at a certain point, like they don't want it for military power. They already own the galaxy. Like eventually, they will get past that. Yeah, and there will be people still kind of looking into it because obviously yeah. it was something that was they obsessed about forever. So I think, you know, you have this rogue scientist in there who sort of is an environmentalist who gets this point where she gets hired by the big bad corporation that's probably responsible for all the environmental damage that's fucked her. And then she sees this chance and she learns about the engineers and she kind of gets intoxicated by their mm-hmm. logic. Do you know what you do? And I want to cast Linda Hamilton to be like, you know, as James Cameron's kind of other... Yeah, yeah. kick-ass, kick-ass warrior woman. I also, thought as a counterpoint to Ripley, she the, made sense. The great thing about Linda Hamilton and her characters is you know that if you think you've locked up Linda Hamilton, you haven't locked up Linda no. Hamilton. Yeah, no, you have not. <laughs> yeah. I, I think... What you could almost do is, rather than make her an environmentalist, what would be really interesting is what if she was an immunologist? Mm. And she saw the xenomorphs as the immune system of the universe. Oh, hey, cool. Fuck. So she's literally like, we're cancer. These are T cells. Or yep. like, the, the, yeah, you know, yeah. what if we're the virus and these things are actually the good part? Yeah, she wants we, to we set, them, about the, set them loose to cleanse the earth, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. cleanse the earth. It's, there's a weird series of books called Peeps, which I recommend you both read, in which basically the, the author, Scott Westerfeld, posits that vampires are a parasite. Okay. But then vampires actually, there's a worse creature and vampires are actually the antibodies protecting the earth from the worst things. Uh, cool. So it's like, oh, like, cool what, like that's a nice concept. Yeah. So what if, you know, you apply that logic to this? But fuck, that was just just shitloads. Not only, you've done something amazing tonight, Gabe. Oh, thanks, mate. You fixed Alien 3. You also paved the way for a better alien resurrection if we go down that path. Mm-hmm. Because then you just Alien Four is just about Hicks and Newt. I yeah. See, I wouldn't. I would say like. But if you do, I don't like, want to make a big you, statement here. But if that had been Alien Three, then you've got like one of the greatest film trilogies ever, and you just end it there. Yeah, but it's Hollywood. They wouldn't. Yeah. Because what? But I would watch a just, Hicks and this Newt. This is the point I'm also film. touching on. You've also fixed Prometheus, and I'm assuming Covenant. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I assume what you've that. done here could just apply as a blanket fix to any shit film with an alien in it. Well, yeah, I, I think my main my main approach with this was like, how do I make a third alien film that 
I would feel satisfied with because I think I, I kind of think that if Alien Three had been not to say this was or anything, but like if Alien Three had been like on the level of one and two, you know, then like there never would I don't think there would have been an Alien Four with Ripley because there wouldn't have been a need to do more with that character. No. It would have been like no, it's a complete trilogy. I mean, yeah, you might do more in the universe. I'm sure Alien versus Predator and stuff would still happen, but that trilogy would still stand alone. As it is now, you've got Alien One and Two, and then sequels that kind of trail off into mediocrity. The Alien versus Predator films are set now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they are. Yeah, <laughs> fucking weird. Yeah, it doesn't make weird. any sense. Yeah. So fucking well, Prometheus weird. contradicted the whole thing because well, yeah. um, Lance Henriksen played the original Wayland in yes. Alien versus Predator. But the idea is that the aliens didn't actually come into existence until the time of Prometheus. Which so is when they, just, and that's not even the fully formed xenomorph. No, not at all. That's the xenomorph that comes out of the, the, uh, the engineers, the engineers just, which are yeah. slightly different to the ones that come out of us. Yeah. Um, and you have that really awesome scene where Numi Rapace like, performs surgery on herself and cuts out an octopus. Yeah. yeah. Shit scene. Oh, I really don't like that film. It's, it's, it's bad. Great. Do you know what? It, it, run sideways. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That, that whole film could be summed up with... Run fucking sideways. Yes. Run like yeah. an alien runs. Scuttle. Yeah. I wish that they just had closure for Ripley's character. And then, like, you could have, from this, launched another trilogy with Hicks and Newt. If you wanted or, to. You know, so what, what, you, you set, you, you do, what you could do is, if we, just sorry to interrupt, no, but if, right. you set it, if you do a tr- another trilogy with Hicks and Newt, you do the James Cameron thing of what if then Hicks trained Newt to be like uh, John Connor just in case the Xenomorphs ever come back and they do and no one believes it. Yeah. yeah. You, do, you just do like... Fuck, that'd be cool. Oh, that'd be... Oh, and, that'd you be know, so good. Like she's finally... Everyone thought they were crazy but because the Xenomorphs are still out there and, you know, that one of them survived and now she's... I watch the fuck out of that. She's now... The expert on xenomorphs, you know. Oh, someone write that. Do we or or yes. do, the, do the xenomorphs take over and do we get the passage with aliens in it? Yeah, Fuck. in which Newt is Amy. Oh, that would be so good. Um, <laughs> yeah, because like because I kind of thought about it. I was like, you know, because you've tapped good sequel potential, basically, oh, guys, mate. Now, apparently, at some point, the idea was that Alien Three and Four would be like in two parts and would be with Newton Hicks and Ripley fighting aliens on Earth. And so I kind of thought, yeah, like bring them to Earth is sort of the logical next step. But then at the same time, I was like. Do I want, like, aliens kind of en masse killing people in the streets? I was like, nah, I kind of like the fact that this never leaves the one location. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's cool. It's on it, Earth, and it, the stakes it, are the highest, because if they get out, they will destroy Earth. But at the same time, it never leaves the facility. You tap into what, what's great about the original alien, but even aliens, they're still stuck. That's the whole point of the two. The thing that works about the first two films is... Yeah, it's claustrophobic the, and it's Even, the, yeah, even yeah. the third film is you're stuck there. You can't go anywhere else. Yeah. Like, I imagine if, if you did an alien film where a group of, like, 10 aliens showed up on Earth, we'll just fucking drop a nuclear bomb on that particular country, done. Yeah. What do they resist nukes? Well, no, they don't. Like, That's how they kill them in Aliens. In Alien 2, It's yeah. kind of like, you know, in superhero movies when they start fighting the bad guy and then just random people get killed in the chaos of it. What I like about the Alien films is it's so contained in this one location. It's like, that's the stakes. It's like, if they get out, people will die. Yes. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. It's yeah. and, and the people that will die in the ensuing chaos, you're with because you're in the rooms yeah. with them and- yeah, exactly. And that's that's what's great about the aliens is that those marines you learn you ca- you become attached to those marines. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you do. That's oh. I'm quite sad that we're not getting Neil Blomkamp's Alien Five. Yeah, what do you reckon it would have looked like? Uh, I don't know. Well, Hicks was in it, wasn't he? And yeah, Newt? yeah, that was in all the concept art. So was I it? Think Newt were they going to disregard three and just kind of pick up after two? Like, I think that's kind of what Ridley Neil Scott Blomkamp has said. basically come out and said, "No, that's it's done. It's not happening." It's like, yeah, so so is the reason it's Covenant is, instead? Yeah, is it, the reason right? it's not happening because he wanted to go back to his universe? Yeah, which is just such shit. Ridley Scott, like for all the hype. Hey, remember the- when he made good films? No, for all, well, Na- what name- are they? Gladiator. No, no. Name the last good film Ridley Scott made. 
haven't seen The oh, Martian. Kingdom of Heaven? Uh, no, you know no, what? The Martian's the Martian. The director's cut. I quite like it, but I I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give The Martian a tip because I enjoyed that film. Actually, I forgot that he did The Martian. Kingdom That's probably of Heaven the last to me is a flawed masterpiece. But he hasn't made I, a good I films. Do, I really like Kingdom of Heaven, but in terms of like Ridley Scott's classic films, what has he got? He's got Gladiator. He's got Alien. He's Alien. got Alien. Yeah. Blade Runner. Top, no, Top Gun's his brother, Runner. isn't it? Yeah, that was yeah, Tony Scott. You know what Ridley Scott film I really love and it's quite underrated? Matchstick Men with Nick Cage. Oh, it's brilliant. It's a really great the film. Only, the only criticism I have of that film, mm. and it's actually a huge one, yep. and I can't watch it anymore, <laughs> and this will ruin it for you, Sean. Oh. But my biggest flaw with that film is that that film does the greatest fundamental problem with con and criminal heist films. Yeah. It fucking lies to the audience. Yes. There are scenes with it. So the twist is the daughter's in on it. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are scenes in it where you get the daughter by herself without any of the other characters and she's, and she's still, still behaving in character. Yeah. Right? yeah if right, she was on her right. own, she wouldn't do that in yeah, real life. it's fucking bullshit. Sense. So it literally lies to the audience and that fuck off. Yeah. So Ridley. My favourite favorite Ridley Scott film was so predictable because it's Hannibal. Yeah. Mm. But I also think that, like, to me, that film laid the blueprint for what the TV show would later go on and do. Like, it's yeah. got that kind of dreamlike weirdness and it's unsettling and it's just... But that's still Ridley Scott making silence, a good film. He's, yeah, he's yeah. made a lot of... For a guy who's often seen as being like, oh, it's Ridley Scott. He's yeah, made a lot of I don't know how he's still got that reputation. It's like, sorry, Robin Hood, Exodus, hmm. oh, like... Prometheus. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Exodus. Yeah. Exodus. I didn't even um, watch it. Turned it off Egypt. The movie? Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Nah, okay. it's it's kind of just like Ridley Scott. Like, why? Like, you've done this. Why Prometheus sucked, and you got rid of like what you should be doing, which is like handing over to the new, young, fresh directors of today to let them take the franchise in new areas. Which is exactly what James Cameron did. Yes, That's, yes, it is. You know, didn't work. In well, the no, case no, no, of Terminator. But so what I mean is that's what James when Cameron James did. Cameron when Ridley in. Scott didn't make. Oh the yeah, second yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, um, the weird thing is, is he's like, oh, but there's the mythos. I don't think people actually give a fuck about the mythos. No, I don't. Like, Not I know really, you no. said, oh, I was interested in the space jockey. The best thing about the space jockey is that you don't fucking know why he's there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's like, I wanted to keep that vague in this too. Like, yeah. I know I alluded to Prometheus, and obviously in a world where this film was made and Prometheus wasn't, you wouldn't get that specific stuff. And I was like, I just want to use some of that mythology. No, that's that, that, Just that, broadly. Again, you know, you fixed Prometheus and Alien 3 in one film by, yeah. by taking the little bit of Wayland would have to know something about something. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the extension of that is this creation of, of that. No, yeah, it's just well done, Gabe. Thank you. I think I think the takeaway is this is well done, Gabe. Fuck you, Ridley Scott. Yeah. Who would there direct your film, Gabe? Oh. Neil Blancan. Neil Blancan. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally. Um, Back then. But, but from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, David Fincher could still direct it. David Fincher could still direct it. Yeah. Um, and then launch his career. Fuck yeah. Because we like it has to be David Fincher because we still need David Fincher to make the social yeah, network yeah. and fight club. So, yeah, but seven. Like, you watch Alien Three and there are elements like mainly like the cinematography and that sort of thing. You watch it and you go, Oh, that's Fincher. Yeah. It's fucking very good. And then yep. there's just shit elements like the screenplay and the studio getting involved and whatnot. Well that was and that's that's why he's he was he's still very anti studio. Like he's yeah, yeah. he's very much because there's that whole thing too. Where when he wanted Fight Club, he wanted Tyler Durden and all like the the opening stuff. And yeah. 20th Century Fox were like, no. And he was like, oh, you, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but you can, you can see the reason he's very distrustful of studios. Is well, we were talking about this last so. night. He's he's directing World War Z two. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, I read that the other like, day. Why is that getting a sequel? Well, because the first one is. It's a bit Have of a guilty book. No, I haven't. But it's a bit Fuck, of. Do a, yourself a favor. Read well, I know book. the film's drastically different to the book, but the film's a bit of a guilty pleasure. Of mine, I quite liked it. Well, because Max Brooks did actually write the film, the screenplay. He adapted his own work into a film. But then it got completely bastardized, didn't it? Yeah. At a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I like that film. I, so what, but Fincher David Fincher it, directing World War Z yeah, two like, is bizarre. Clearly, that is, that, is, that is clearly Brad Pitt being like, hey, yeah, Fincher, absolutely. Do you want to work with me yeah, again? He's like, yeah. 
Oh, I guess I'm not doing anything in July. Well, what was Finch's My last British? Gone Girl, I want to say. Yeah, no, Gone Girl. Which was which, uh, which is good. Fine. It's, it's like, well it's made. It's Finch on autopilot. But like, yeah. it is Gone Finch on girl, autopilot. Girl tattoo. Like, it's just... They're Finch on autopilot, yeah. but... They're still better than Ridley Scott on autopilot. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah 100% like, so yeah, let's talking you. about directors on autopilot. Yeah. Fincher on autopilot is still better than, than Tarantino just... and Ridley Scott on autopilot. Yeah. Yeah, true. True. I agree with that. I don't yeah. think Fincher makes bad films as such. I just think like you can uh, just tell when it's like you look at Fight Benjamin Club, Button is a terrible movie. I like Benjamin Button. I liked it, but I've only ever watched it once. It's a four and a half hour fucking perfume commercial. I like Benjamin Button. Get fucked. I haven't seen it since it came out. Get I was 17 when it came out. I, I was might not the like same it today. Age, cut him, cut him but... some slack, Tom. I was the same age. Cut, I don't know why, but cut him some slack. <laughs> you just pitched a good film. Yeah, all right. Nah, look, you get away with it this time on the on the back of your good <laughs> film you made. Oh, yeah. Nah, thanks, mate. <sighs> um, cool. Well, and on that note, I've been Gabe. I've been Sean. I've been Handsome Tom. And if you guys have any thoughts about the Alien franchise or our take on Alien 3, feel free to hit us up at on Twitter at, at MMSansPants or individually I'm at Gobergmoser. I'm at Sidekick of Dowie. I'm at Awkward Treed. Otherwise you can email us in at moviemaintenance at sanspantsradio.com. And uh, yeah, do that or don't. Cool. Bye. See you. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support the show, why not become a member at sanspantsplus.com and get early access to our shows, a bunch of exclusive content, and much, much more. That's sanspantsplus.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.